Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Tim O'Shea. You're listening to the Doctor Within podcast. Coronavirus update. This is from the March 2020 newsletter at thedoctorwithin.com. All the references we cite in this podcast will be found in that March newsletter. For those addicted to the everyday Kool-Aid of tabloid media at CNN, Washington Post, New York Times, Yahoo News, etc., you're in for a big surprise. Last month's newsletter, February, dealt with the historical context of our newest boutique epidemic. Now we're at the beginning of March, and this month we'll cover why this phantasm is being kept alive in the absence of scientific evidence and why it will soon vanish. You don't have to be much of a fortune teller to see all the usual signs falling into place. The fading of the illness despite desperate attempts to keep it alive. The lack of legitimate testing proving patients actually all have the same disease. The recent funding, which usually signals the end of any boutique epidemic. Your note number six. Fox Live 29 February. Last Saturday, 29 February, President Trump, Mike Pence, Alex Azar, and Tony Fauci held a press conference carried live on Fox. Your note, number five. If you didn't watch that show, you're really not that interested in coronavirus. The first thing we learn is that at present, there are only 22 cases of the novel virus in the entire United States. Let that fact sink in. Out of almost 350 million people, acknowledging the cured. That was the very first time a major news channel acknowledged that coronavirus wasn't a very serious disease because the majority of cases recovered completely in a couple weeks, just like the flu and the cured should then be deducted from the statistics. No one else does that. Virtually every other story in all media for the past three months simply piles the cases up week after week, continuing to add to a growing list, making no allowance for patients that are no longer sick, which is 99.9% of them, right? This has been a brand new trick with this particular boutique epidemic, disregarding the cured, a tip-off to the underlying agenda. Result? It looks as though numbers are increasing out of control, and it's a growing global epidemic. This deliberately misleading tactic explains why reported numbers for coronavirus are all over the map depending on the source. The whole tone of that Saturday's Fox press conference was in stark contrast to everyday news reports on coronavirus since it all began. Did you notice that? It was night and day. For once, here were some very informed people, heads of HHS, NIH, the president, all saying the same thing that Americans should go back to work and not worry about it, that the risk in this country was minimal. 
Seriously, do you even know of one person with coronavirus? Their mood was the polar opposite of all other media stories. Across the board, the four speakers were very measured, calm, and consistent with the facts. Your note number five. They all agreed that even though there may be more cases appearing, for the most part, it's not a serious threat to public health, mainly because it's no more serious a disease than the flu, except in the case of the debilitated. Recategorization. No more serious than the flu? How about this? What if all these new cases really are nothing but the flu? Just the normal seasonal flu? Why not? There's really no solid evidence to support otherwise. This technique of recategorization is nothing new. It was used successfully in most of the recent boutique epidemics reported in the February newsletter. Your note number eight. Oh no, you say this is a brand new virus, right? A novel virus. Really? Prove it. Coronavirus and its 500 mostly harmless strains have been known for decades. The identification process for new COVID or 2019 NCOV virus or the newest SARS-CoV-19 virus has been ludicrously inconsistent from the very beginning at every level, federal, state, and local. Like we said, for the first month, the viral strain was not even identified. So, anybody who got sick with anything was likely to be included, with no testing at all, by symptoms only. That was to create a news story. There was the preconceived agenda. Then in January, when they finally decided to say it was a new strain that was infecting everybody, that's when they named it 2019 NCOV, in which N stands for novel, lest anyone forget we're claiming this is a brand new bug. But then politics took over and somebody decided they didn't like that name, so voila, COVID, politics eclipses science. The science of testing. Now for the bad news. What is the test they claim to use to identify this new bug in a patient? The test is called PCR. This is the classic polymerized chain reaction test invented in the 80s by Dr. Kerry Mullis. In 40 years, doctors have never come up with any test more accurate than this very flawed theoretical estimate of microbial activity. The test produces loads of false positives, often failing to measure anything at all. Now, a false positive would be if you get tested for something and then the test results come back saying you're positive for this, meaning you have this virus in your blood, but in actuality, you don't. The test was wrong. That's called a false positive. No one is more critical of the test's reliability than the inventor himself. 
Dr. Kerry Mullis, who won the Nobel Prize for inventing PCR to detect HIV, your note number nine, explains its limitations, why the PCR is not especially diagnostic for HIV or for anything else. This is a quote from Dr. Mullis, right? Quote, quantitative PCR is an oxymoron. PCR is intended to identify substances qualitatively, but by its very nature is unsuited for estimating numbers. Although there is a common misimpression that the viral load tests actually count the number of viruses in the blood, these tests cannot detect free infectious viruses at all. They can only detect proteins that are believed, in some cases wrongly, to be unique to HIV. The tests can detect genetic sequences of viruses, but not viruses themselves. Unquote. Your note number one. Can't identify viruses? Then how do we know all these people have the same disease, let alone the same novel disease? This means that with all these people who have supposedly been PCR tested for COVID, there is still no conclusive diagnostic evidence that they have any coronaviruses at all, let alone the same virus, according to the inventor of the primary diagnostic test. Parenthetically, Mullis's testimony about the limits of PCR actually helped acquit OJ, though Johnny didn't seem to need much help there, did he? Okay, limits of polymerized chain reaction test. PCR is not a test that isolates, identifies, or even detects any particular virus. If you're sick and have some viral fragments, the PCR test just amplifies those fragmented sequences millions of times from the sample. For the more scientifically minded, here's a source that's a review of the literature on the weakness and unreliability of the polymerized chain reaction. Your note number two. And yet, the PCR test remains the standard that is cited by all corporate media as the means of diagnosing coronavirus all over the world. A little research shows us that any association with viral disease from PCR is just a theory at best, just an estimate. Nothing like an exact science that says definitively Ebola or HIV virus or coronavirus is present in this patient, which is what everyday media and everyday science is pretending with coronavirus, pounding it into their undiscriminating readers' heads week after week. But wait, the false science gets much worse than that. There's no evidence that the PCR test is even being used at all. Identifying viruses, the magic box. There is a blatantly false assumption encouraged by pop media and pop science 
For decades, they've pretended that doctors have a magic box that can isolate and photograph viruses and sequence its exact RNA and then print an image of that sequence and then do the same for viruses it finds within any sputum or blood sample sent in for testing and that it can print out the exact genetic sequence of the sample virus and then lay it down alongside the sequence of the novel virus to compare for a matchup. A perfect matchup then is a positive test. This is purest science fiction. Nothing even close to such a machine exists in our dimension. Not even close. But the deception and assumption that it does exist pervades all media and, quote, scientific literature. Even though they are forbidden to provide any specifics on such a testing process. Which is why the details of COVID testing is such a closely guarded secret and why no local clinics claim to be able to perform such a test. Now, till recently, Samples must be sent into CDC, who then provides a simple positive or negative response. No information on the type of testing or the printed results comparing the sequences is offered. Even the medical clinics who send in the sample must blindly trust in the CDC's science without question. And this is the source where all the online scoreboard numbers of infected COVID patients come from. Look at the CDC's webpage, your note number 10, and notice the colossal lack of information on the specifics of testing, their most closely guarded secret. Looks like something written by L. Ron Hubbard. And this is the best science we have in order to substantiate an entire global crisis. California outbreak. A few days after the Fox Live press conference, corporate media reported four new cases of COVID in the Bay Area. This was predicted by the Fox Live conference. But there's nothing to be worried about, right? It's no more serious than the flu. Then, corporate news hysteria ramped up yet another notch. Santa Clara County's scoreboard on its website amplified the seriousness of the four cases beyond all reason. A few days later, it was up to 20 confirmed cases just in Santa Clara County. Confirmed how? They don't say. Nobody knows. At the same time, Another site, the California Department of Health, was suddenly claiming 60 cases statewide. Your note, number four. That's three times as many cases as in the entire country just a few days earlier. How is that possible? That's when it hit me. How could one county in California suddenly have three times as many cases as the entire United States after just a few days? It couldn't. The answer is, there are simply no standard criteria for counting cases. Plus, 
there was an agenda across the board to magnify the seriousness of the, quote, epidemic by making the most provocative, groundless predictions for the near future. Your note, number seven. But always with the requisite assurance that, quote, Santa Clara County is doing everything possible to manage and limit the outbreak, dot, dot, dot. You know, the standard bureaucratic slogan from sea to shining sea. Funding the home stretch. So what was going on here? Then I remembered the $8 billion in funding had just come through Congress. Your note number six. So that means one thing. Every state and federal bureaucrat in the country is now scrambling for his fair share before the whole illusion evaporates, as it is sure to do pretty soon. Funding, whether it's for a vaccine or just the illusion of control, funding has always been the predictable death knell for every single boutique epidemic. Your note number eight. The usual pattern is that media redoubles its efforts at maximum hysteria and grim prediction because they know it's going to vanish very soon, which we're seeing right now, like this lame turkey from Yahoo News, quote, as the coronavirus spreads, one study predicts that even the best case scenario is 15 million dead and a $2.4 trillion hit to global GDP, your note, number seven. For the next few weeks, get ready for more like this from the pre-hominids at the corporate tabloids. This explains the new tone of desperation in media, squeezing every last drop of urgency out of an event before the golden goose flies away, and why more and more masks are appearing on the street and why there are shortages of bottled water, rice, etc. in most Bay Area supermarkets in the absence of verifiable cases. What if there's no coronavirus epidemic at all? Experiment. Hold on here. What if there is no epidemic, no new COVID disease at all, and no legitimate testing procedure for counting the infected. Let's just make that hypothesis for a moment and then try to disprove it. I started out with a little experiment. First, I called Santa Clara County Health Department 408-992-4900. And after 30 minutes, finally got through to someone. I asked if Santa Clara County had any facility where I could refer my patients who had the flu, where they could be tested to rule out coronavirus? The answer was unequivocal. No, Santa Clara County has no testing facility for coronavirus. My next question was, well, all these numbers of coronavirus cases on your website, where are they coming from if you have no testing facility? The representative told me that people had to go to their individual practitioners at pulmonary clinics, etc., in order to be tested. 
and then these doctors would voluntarily inform the county so they could add the numbers to the scoreboard. Okay, there's brush off number one. The illusion of testing, no real market. My next question to the county was, what kind of testing are the doctors using at these clinics? Answer, we don't know. See where this is going as we start down the bureaucratic rabbit hole? So my next step was to call local MDs, especially pulmonary specialists in the Bay Area. After calling more than 50 of these offices, the answer was a resounding no, 100% of the time. No, we do not have any test that we can use to rule out coronavirus infection. Try it. So it's, it's pretty safe to assume that 50 is a sufficient number of clinics in the Bay Area to determine whether there's any clinic who offers PCR or any other test for coronavirus, right? My contention is that there are no practitioners who have such a test and therefore coronavirus screening tests are simply not available in Santa Clara County. And therefore, we have no idea how many cases there are or if there are any at all. If you then ask the clinic, do you know anyone who does have the test? Guess what they say? Take a guess. They'll tell you to call the Santa Clara County Department of Health, which is who told you to go to the individual clinics in the first place. There's brush off number two. See the game here? Now, why would all the pulmonary specialists in one of the most densely populated sections of the country have no interest whatsoever in screening people for a respiratory disease being hawked by all media as the most dangerous epidemic threat we've ever seen? Obviously, the respiratory MDs are not taking the outbreak very seriously, not much faith in its virulence. But think about it. If this epidemic were real, would all these doctors ignore an entire market this huge? These are potential patients. Conclusion and hypothesis. So, a perfectly valid hypothesis might be this. The county's online scoreboard is fraudulent. There are no proven cases at all. These reported cases of so-called COVID are nothing more than the flu because there is no available testing procedure in all of the Bay Area that can diagnose the disease, an area with 5 million people. And even if there were, the standard test cited in any medical reference for COVID is the PCR test for which we have seen above the evidence of its inherent inaccuracy and lack of reliability. By extrapolation then, it's fairly reasonable to say that the random reporting we see at work 
in one of the richest, most populous communities in the U.S. is no different from what is going on everywhere else across the nation. Looks like it's all being orchestrated via the same corporate narrative. What we've seen in the past few months may be nothing more than the standard recategorization technique traditionally used to conjure up new boutique epidemics in the absence of any truly novel disease. Your note number eight. We have to look at last year's figures. In every community, in every state, let's take a look at the annual numbers of people who got the flu for the past three years. Guess what you'll find? No difference at all this year. So what was this all about? What was the objective from the outset? Was it merely the $8.3 billion pork barrel for local, state, and federal employees to squabble over? With media's increasing stranglehold and censorship of oppo information now in place, this particular boutique epidemic got a little carried away and had an excessive effect on the stock market, travel, and international trade, which is not yet corrected. But all that will eventually normalize as soon as the politics resolves itself. So stop worrying about it, exercise, build up your immune system, keep watching for the bottom of the market, and then go about your business. Stop listening to science fiction stories about how bad it could get, etc., written by those who lack opposable thumbs, or about how it's the president's fault for not doing this or that, etc. This boutique epidemic is now in uncharted territory. Certainly not as easily predictable as all the others have been, but it's getting increasingly difficult now to perpetuate the whole roadshow in the hands of a hysterical bureaucracy alone and in the absence of any transparent, verifiable science. Thank you for your kind attention.